Hello and welcome to the show. Remember to subscribe once you're done listening to the episode. It's available on Spotify, Google and Apple Podcasts or any podcast player of your choice. Remember to give me a five-star review because I'm giving you more value than what you've paid for because so far the podcast is free and you've paid me absolutely nothing. Today on the show, we're going to go back to audience questions. Uh, the question from Bernadette Mutsambiwa or Mutsambiwe, I think. I really should confirm that before I put up the um, podcast show notes. Okay, so in the last episode, we went into the practical issues of how to go about um, validating your business idea uh, before you start setting things up. And of course, for Bernadette uh, Mutambiwe, her question is um, had to do with whether a diagnostics, um, medical... Okay, let me recap. Um, Essentially, in the last episode, what we tackled was this. We, were tr- we started looking into whether a diagnostics medical laboratory, how to figure out if it's a profitable enterprise before you get into the business. Because um, opening up a medical diagnostics laboratory is going to involve some capital expenditure. You're going to have to buy the building or rent the building. You're going to have to pay for employees. Even if you start it all by yourself, you can't, um, Bernadette most likely cannot um, staff it by herself from the beginning all the way through uh, to the end. You know, people to handle uh, payments, people to handle clerical. I think you need at least two lab attendants. That's just my guess. Um, looking at other labs that I've been to so far, I guess you need two um, lab attendants. You need to have a uh, phlebotomist um, specialist there because it's not the sort of thing that you can do every single thing by yourself. So if you're in business, you're a caker, you're a wedding photographer. Sorry, not caker. Uh, what do you call them? Cake maker? Baker? You can do everything by yourself. The wedding photographer, you can shoot, you can edit, you can run invoices, you can do all that by yourself. But, <clears throat> excuse me, if you're running a medical diagnostics laboratory, then it's not something you can do all by yourself. So there's also um, chemicals and reagents for mixing and testing. There's utility costs, storage units. You know, you need to have the fridge where you can store uh, the blood and um, all that other stuff. So bottom line uh, for Benedict Mutsambiwe, we tackled the first half of the question, which was we need to figure out if this is a profitable business venture to get into in the first place before sinking a whole bunch of time and money. Now, um, in the last episode, we discussed that the first step Uh, to validate your business idea is to define the target market and that's because we need to know exactly who it is we're chasing before we start running after people willy-nilly it's not going to be advisable for you to start chasing after people only to find out that the people are irrelevant and to the business plans that you had and are inconsequential and the people are never going to buy in the first place so for the possible target market off the top of my head we came up with individuals hospitals, clinics, and specialized medical centers, which um, I promise we're going to use as the uh, basis for um, fleshing out the episodes. And so that's pretty much the same game plan that we're going to do today. Uh, The last episode, we looked at um, individuals, how to figure out who the individuals should be approaching, and we came up with um, some plans and talking points about how to go over those sorts of individuals. So if this is your first time of listening to the podcast and you're curious, you want to see how talking to individuals can be used to validate your business idea, to make sure that there's market demand and that there is, uh, that there's some promise there before you uh, sink time and money into it, then just listen, um, skip back one episode once you're done and you'll get caught up to speed. So in today's episode, we're going to be looking at hospitals, clinics, and specialized medical centers. 
Now, ideally, if Bernadette Motambire was a paying client, I guess we would have to come up with individual action plans for each, you know, action plans for hospital and the clinic and specialized medical centers. They would be similar, but kind of separate. So uh, today we're just going to lump everything um, together. So um, also in the last, uh, last episode, I stressed that the reason why we're going to be interacting with these people and these organizations is because we're trying to figure out a couple of things. Number one, we're trying to figure out what their needs are. And that's a good idea because if you know what the needs are, then you can design um, the best processes around people's needs. It makes the business much more efficient. It makes it easily referable. And then we're also trying to figure out the decision-making process or decision-making criteria. We want to know how people decide to use um, medical diagnostic services uh how do they decide to use one over the other? What are the key things? You know, things like that. Because it's going to help in the, um, when we um, start the buying conversations or rather the selling uh, conversations, we need to be sure that we're talking to the right people. We need to know what is important to them. And that uh, informs how we um, make our presentation, uh, how we ask them to buy basically. Now, remember, my assumptions for the last episode and my assumptions for this episode are the same. I'm making some common sense guesses as a layperson, as an ordinary person, because we're talking about medicine here. So actually, we should be looking for the opinion of medically trained uh, personnel. And those are the people who are going to tell us uh, which ideas um, for promoting the business, which ideas are ethical, um, which ideas are practical, which ideas are legal, which ideas are cost effective, you know, et cetera, et cetera. There's a whole bunch of stuff um, to decide upon. The example um, that I gave was um, in uh, conducting interviews as how you can talk to children because uh, from wedding photography, um, where I started off my um, my uh, experience in entrepreneurship, um, over to um, this question that we're tackling now for Bernadette, um, ethically um, talking, Okay, it's not just even ethical. I think in this case, it's illegal. I can't talk to children as a wedding photographer uh, without their parents being present. And it's, you know, the same thing if we're doing research, a bunch of research to validate the diagnostics medical center. Talking to children, that would be um, illegal and unethical. So, um, yeah, medical personnel, they'll be able to let us know which... Uh, methods we're describing here, ethical, practical, legal, or cost-effective. So whatever I say here, take with a pinch of salt. Then I also ran over the benefits of all this activity because it is a whole lot of work. And I'm sure that if you haven't had to do these sorts of activities before, you're listening to this and you're thinking, what the hell? Do I really have to do all this before I start my business? And the truth is you don't have to do all this, but it will be helpful if you do. And the reason why it's going to be helpful is this. In Bernadette's case, we're going to be talking to tons of individuals. We're going to be talking to different stakeholders. We're going to be talking to different um, organizations. Now, doing this, we're going to get firsthand information about how to staff the lab, about the services you can offer. Um, it's also going to give you a good sense of where you can, uh, what, where, where, um, what people find valuable that will allow you to lean one way or another on pricing. The example that I gave was how <clears throat> um, I'm tired of two-hour waits. And I know a bunch of parents um, in Abuja hospitals who are tired of two-year waits. Sorry, not two years. Um, two-hour waits, <clears throat> excuse me, just to confirm a malaria diagnosis for kids. And how it would be... It might be a market changer if some other person rolls along and they have a 30-minute malaria test. Um, some folks, some parents might be willing to pay um, pay for that. Like, okay, there's this test available. The result is in um, 30 minutes instead of two hours and then pay for that um, instead. 
So um, that's the benefit of all this marketing activity. First-hand information, first-hand insights, uh, first-hand data. And then plus, um, another thing is if you start with all um, this activity, spending days and weeks talking to people, then these classes of people and stakeholders that you're talking to are going to be the first set of people that you talk to when you actually roll out your business plans. So in a way, um, trying to validate your business idea is also a way of front-loading your sales and front-loading your marketing. Because when the idea is up and running, these are the individuals, the hospital administrators, the, you know, what have you, they can go back to say, hey, remember me, um, I'm the chap, I'm the lady who came by your office to discuss blah, 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 and this, this, this. Well, all those fancy ideas we spoke about, the ideas are ready, and this is the new address. Um, when will you be ready to run a trial order with us? You know, something like that. So it's uh, front-loading your marketing um, activities. So all the people that we're talking to now at this stage of trying to validate the idea are going to become the preliminary uh, preliminary leads. Um, <clears throat> There's going to be our first marketing list that we're going to hit up when we open the medical diagnostics laboratory. So today we're going to explore um, how um, sales techniques, research techniques, conversation techniques, how they apply when we start talking to hospitals, when we start talking to clinics, when we start talking to specialized medical centers. Remember, the goal is to get data to validate our business idea. We want to know, opening a medical diagnostics lab in our city, in our town, in our local government, in our county, is it a good idea? Is there demand? Is this a business that will grow or is this a business that is going to flop because uh, nobody can be bothered? So. We're trying to discover, is it a good idea to open up a medical diagnostics lab in XYZ location? So today, we're going to look at sales um, techniques, conversation techniques that we can apply for talking to clinics, um, medical centers, you know, um, what have you. So what's the action plan for interacting with hospitals, clinics, and specialized medical centers? Well, just like um, the with individuals yesterday, we have to identify who the key contact uh, the key contacts are. Now, the target roles or the key decision makers or the influencers or whatever it is that you want to call them, the at the top, the movers and shakers, the whatever it is that you call them in your own part of the world, we need to target uh, those sorts of people within the organizations. So we're thinking of having conversations with hospital administrators, uh, laboratory managers, medical directors, uh, procurement officers. In fact, yeah, we, we should talk to procurement officers. Those are the people who sign the checks, you know, to pay for uh, to pay for stuff. I mean, they're not my favorite people. I don't like dealing with procurement. But hey, we have to talk to procurement people. So it's this is a lot of work up front, I understand, because it's if this is your first time getting into business, you probably haven't done this much work for anything before. Yes, it's a lot of work. But um, consider this. When you set up the laboratory and it's time to start marketing, I know I've said it, but I'm emphasizing it again. Who are the people that you're going to start talking to to sell your services? If you're going to be selling to um, uh, clinics and hospitals and places like that, it is exactly this class of people that I'm talking about. The hospital admin, the lab manager, the medical director, the procurement person, the uh, practice, okay, no, I think it's lawyers that have practice manager. I'm not sure what you have um, in, uh, in the hospital. So it's the same people. So doing all of this activity to validate the idea is making your job of marketing your services in the future a whole lot um, easier because you have established a relationship with these people. Let's say it took you two months to do your research and in the two months you visited um, each hospital maybe two or three times. There's an established relationship. They've seen your face. They know that you're a smart guy. They know that you're a very brilliant girl. 
and um, you sound credible you sound capable they know what your plans are for the lab so of course now that the lab is live um, you know there's an established relationship there's an incentive to start having conversations with you uh, rather than having a conversation to the uh, Johnny Just Come who has opened uh, something up uh, down the block. So you have made um, progress. Now, when we look for the hospital admin or the lab manager or the medical director or the procurement person or the person who is in charge of um, overall um, hospital admin or whatever, what are the conversation points that we are going to have? Now, the conversation points that we're going to be having with these people basically is going to be all around assessing um, the services. So the questions are, we're trying to figure out the current medical um, diagnostic services that they use. Now, um, this is important because when you start operating your own services, uh, this is where you're going to get the information to convince them to switch services. If you uncover pain points, let's say right now with the medical um, diagnostic services that they use if they're doing it in-house <clears throat> excuse me or they're outsourcing but you are able to figure out that they have um <clears throat> that they have problems with um accuracy and yes accuracy is a thing because i remember a time when <clears throat> sorry excuse me um i thought i had cancer and i went to go and use uh one lab and uh test results came in and um uh you know of course you know as as a young man i just thought wow you know, oh, so the thing is malignant. Okay, I guess my life is over. And, but anyway, um, multiple tests confirmed the diagnosis, uh, or rather to reconfirm the diagnosis. Uh, turns out that the growth was not um, uh, malignant. It was benign. We got rid of it anyway. But the point I'm just trying to say is that, you know, accuracy can be an issue with these sorts of things. <clears throat> you go to one lab, you do a test. They say this is the result. And um, you go to another lab or you go to two or three other labs and then at the end of the day you find out that the first test that you did was not entirely accurate. So if you're able to uncover pain points around accuracy of the results that they've been getting, um, delays in workflow, uh, processing time, or maybe even the cost, you know, things like that. If you're able to uncover problems, when you start your own laboratory, then this is how you're going to be able to use it to inform your sales process. You're going to be able to say, hey, uh, our lab manager, madam lab um, administrator, you know, last time that we spoke, uh, you said you guys have 80% um, accuracy, blah, blah, blah. But with the new techniques that we have right now in, um, in uh, okay, when you're looking for cancer, what's it called? Okay, let me just make up a word. Uh, so with the latest technology that we have right now in cancer diagnostics, we're able to go from 80% accuracy up to 96% uh, accuracy, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, that's going to be your sales pitch at the time. Now, you're only going to be able to get this information if um, when you are talking to the lab admin, the hospital admin, um, you know, general manager or whoever, um, uh, the people that run these hospitals is if you asked um, if you did a services um, assessment to find out what the problems are that they currently have you know who are they using how are they running it are there any problems you also need to find out the range of tests that they perform that gives you a sense of whether there's demand for some stuff or whether some things are even profitable um, <clears throat> whether some things are even profitable um, or not um, for instance in Nigeria it looks like um, is it kidney no not kidney I think it's kidney. 
there's uh, there's a market for medical tourism between uh, Nigeria and India. I think people go there for kidney issues, dialysis, and blah blah blah, and then stuff like that. So if you're thinking of running a your medical lab and you want to um, you want it to specialize in um, kidney and um, um, you is it urolysis, urolysis or urinalysis? You know urinalysis issues. Medical doctors, forgive me, please. Remember, I'm a layman. So if you want that to be your specialty, it's from running around and talking to hospital administrators that you're going to get the sense of, oh, there is no demand for this because people seem to think Indians are very good at um, uh, sorting out uh, cancer and urology issues and stuff like that. You will get a sense of the demand rather than sinking a whole bunch of money and buying all the equipment and then um, trying to start doing the services here. But it looks like most people... Uh, it looks like the general consensus is if it is this kind of medical issue or if it's that kind of medical issue, go to India. For this kind of medical issue, go to Russia. For that kind of medical issue, go to the UK or whatever. So it's nice to receive a heads up before you actually um, start uh, these sorts of things. And that is why all these conversations with these people are important. And that's how I will let you know whether this is good business to begin or whether it's a bad idea to start it in your own uh, location. Um, because uh, it might be a bad idea in Nigeria, but if you have the funds and you have uh, contacts, it might be a good idea to start up that business in India, uh, especially given what the medical um, tourism trends are right now. Then it's also important to discuss um, customization and needs, uh, specific tests that these people need or that they would like, but they don't currently have um, access um, to. Um, okay, from the birth of my uh, children, both uh, children born in Abuja in Nigeria here, I have seen that uh, when it comes to neonatal services, I know it's not related to um, uh, laboratory diagnostics. So when it comes to neonatal services, there's a limit to the kinds of services that you can get. So some hospitals would like to offer this, but they don't have access to that. You have to go to National Hospital to get access to National Hospital in Abuja or certain hospitals in Lagos, or fly uh, mommy and baby abroad um, for access to this and then access to that. So it's important to ask these sorts of um, questions as well, because sometimes they can give you um, give you data on what the hotbeds are. You know, what are people looking forward to, uh, what are hospitals looking forward to, but they can't get, you know, um, at the moment. So that's also um, a good idea. Then the action plan for starting this uh, conversation is uh, quite simple. Um, you, of course, there's an initial outreach. Uh, you know, sit down and give it a thought, come up with what a good introduction is, you know, for when you meet with these people. And then, of course, when you have these meetings or you make these phone calls or you do the email or whatever, you have to state your intent. People don't like wasting time, especially medical professionals who are really busy. Remember, I told you each time I have to go to the hospital because we think the kids have an ear infection or malaria or something. Basically, I'm there for four hours. Sometimes it's, it's, it's the whole day, you know, six hours straight. So these people are really, really busy. They have work to get to. They have angry, um, uh, what are they called? Angry, uh, should I say customers? People who go to hospitals, what are they called? Patients, yes. They have angry patients, and so um, they don't have time to waste. So state your intent. And, of course, in this case, the intent would be something like, um, okay, you're trying to improve the state of medical diagnostics, uh, or, or you're trying to enhance, hmm, let me see. Okay, you're trying to enhance uh, medical diagnostic services, and then you ask them for permission to talk. Yeah, okay, yeah, so that would be it. That Yeah, summary, that would be the brief approach. So, hello, my name is uh, Chukudi this, or my name is uh, Chinasa uh, that. Thank you very much for taking the 
meeting. Uh, the reason why I'm here is because I'm um, thinking of setting up my own lab. Uh, the goal is to enhance medical diagnostics um, services in Abuja. So I hope you don't mind uh, if you have 15 minutes. Um, I have a couple of questions to ask you. You know, would that be okay? You know, so something like that. Uh, I'm sure if I sit down, I can come up with something much better. But you know, you get the whole idea. So sit down, compelling introduction state your intent, get straight to business, and then have a brief conversation around um, those issues. Hospital admin, they're uh, busy people. Now, this initial outreach, should it be email? Should it be in person? Uh, my honest answer, it depends on what you're comfortable with. Although my recommendation is ultimately, we should be aiming for an in-person visit. Ultimately, I think Bernadette or whoever wants to validate this idea should be sitting down in somebody's office, looking right across the hospital administrator and having a frank and candid conversation. So that is my recommendation. Let's not be doing this over WhatsApp, SMS or whatever. Um, but ultimately, even though we're aiming for an in-person visit, I think it makes sense to use LinkedIn first, do some research, send a personalized request uh, so you guys have one or two chats or something. Uh, eventually, you guys can migrate to DMs, maybe email or SMS or something before you hook up the um, uh, the meeting in the office. But you get the whole point. So it's not a strict either or. So I'm not saying don't touch D uh, direct messages, don't touch SMS, don't touch email. But ultimately, we should have a physical meeting with the person. But then, yes, let's use uh, the website, social media, whatever the resources are. In fact, personal introductions, if you can. Uh, you know a doctor who works in this place or in that place. You can say, oh, I've been thinking of visiting so-and-so hospital. Um, do you happen to know anybody who works there in the urology department? You know, can you hook up a meeting? You know, that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, so that's it. You can use um, LinkedIn for your research. You can use Facebook profile for your research. It's um, not a um, bad idea. Then, when we're going to have these conversations with these people, the conversations have to be structured. Uh, I would have said structured interview, but I don't want to give you guys the impression that you're going there to go and um, interview someone. This is meant to be a free-flowing conversation. So, but it has to be structured. What I mean by structured is you, you should have prepared a set of questions ahead of time. What kind of questions? The questions should be open-ended questions. That is what will allow you to gather the most um, insights into the current um, diagnostic pra uh, practices and their current um, needs when it comes to um, di diagnostics and running tests and things like that. Now, when I say open-ended, this is what I mean. Open-ended is the opposite of closed-ended. Closed-ended questions are questions that can be answered with either yes or no. Don't ask that kind of question. Because if you ask a question and they say yes, you ask another question, they say yes. Another one, they say no. You leave that meeting with lots of yeses, lots of noes, but you don't know how to make sense of things one way or another. So you should be asking open-ended questions. Um, well, that's a topic for another podcast episode. But for now, summary. Open-ended questions are any questions that begin with who, why, what, when, how, where, um, if, you know, because those things get you talking. Now, let me repeat. Who, why, what, when, how, if, I mean, you get the point. All those W's and um, all those um, <clears throat> um, hypotheticals. So those are the kind of questions you should be asking. Because when you ask open-ended questions like that, who, why, what, when, how, where, when, um, <clears throat> uh, people start talking extensively. You can ask a who question and or a when question and the person just says yes or no. The person actually has to talk. So, for example, if you ask a question, do you outsource your medical diagnostics um, services in this hospital? 
the person can answer, the hospital admin can look you straight in the face and say, yes, and then keep quiet and they're waiting. Can you ask the next question, please? Now you can see that there's not much information there. But then if you ask instead, um, let me see. Okay, so instead of asking, do you outsource your uh, medical diagnostics um, services in this hospital? The person says yes or no. Why not, why not ask a question like, um, okay, like, um, why would you choose outsourcing blah, blah, blah services instead of doing things in-house? And then you keep quiet. So this is a why question. And it starts a conversation because the person can now look you in the face and then say, well, actually, we used to do things in-house you know, before, uh, but we changed because... You see, in this case, there's a conversation. You're getting qualitative data that you can use. Or the person can respond and say, well, initially, we outsourced things from 2009 to 2012, but then we had to change course because, and then um, you get um, all the juicy stuff. So you can see that the second approach is going to give you more information and <clears throat> it's going to give you um, a richer context. So do you outsource your diagnostic services? <clears throat> Excuse me. Bad question because it's uh, closed-ended. The answer either yes or no. But then if you ask, why would you choose outsourcing over doing in-house? It's different. It's going to be a conversation. Now, on site visits, I was going to say let's have a site visit, but I just realized that it might not be possible because of um, ethical concerns here. And then also, also some practical concerns, uh, contamination, letting strangers into the lab. Uh, but if not, okay, and, and it might be against um, best practices. <clears throat> I'm not sure what the guidelines are for those sorts of things. And then also issues with uh, custody, specimen custody. You want to make sure that the chain of custody is unbroken. So if it might be a good idea to ask for a site visit. But then don't be offended if it turn you down because even as a layman, I'm thinking there are several problems with site visits. Like I said, ethical concerns, contamination of samples, is the chain of custody being broken, uh, things like that. So, but if you can get a site visit um, for other businesses where that's not a problem, like for instance, if you're trying to validate uh, whether open, uh, running a poultry is a good idea, a site visit in the poultry, yeah, uh, I don't think anybody will have a problem with that. They'll say, yeah, sure, come on down, no problem, but just don't wear high heels because there's going to be lots of chicken poop and blah, blah, blah. So, um, yeah, that's it. So a site visit, you're going to be able to um, observe the facility, uh, see their workflows, um, let's see, what else? And it gives useful information about how to tailor your services. In this case, if you see how the lab actually is run and their workflow, you're going to know how to um, tailor it when you um, open up your own um, services. Now, after gathering, uh, okay, 26 minutes. Okay, let me bring it to a close. Now, after um, all these conversations and all this uh, data that we uh, we gather, um, when you're ready to launch the um, laboratory, when you buy the building or lease the building or whatever, uh, the next step is going to be uh, to come back for a <clears throat> sorry, to come back for a presentation, um, and then of course the context of the, the no not context the content the content of the proposal is going to be based on the um, insights that you've gathered. You're going to be able to highlight how your lab is going to <clears throat> uh, meet their pain points. Remember, uh, I think. I think I said, you know, you're going to be able to find out things that they find value, whether they're trying to achieve cost savings or whether they want efficiency, greater accuracy, whether they want, um, let's see, or maybe even greater storage capacity. Maybe currently right now in their lab, they can only store uh, 20, 20 pints of blood, you know, but uh, since they have maternity section, they would like to store 150 pints of blood or something. Oh, by the way, I'm assuming that the pints of blood is stored in the diagnostics section. If it's not stored in the diagnostic section, then forgive me for making such an error. Like I said, um, I'm not a doctor. 
So you come up with a um, oh, all right, okay, thirty minutes. Okay, let me bring this to a close. Sorry, that was my alarm. Uh, just so I know when we are heading over time. Okay, so you make the presentation, but you also keep um, keep people in the loop, establish relationships, because we need uh, continuous input. We need to be checking in with people all the time, uh, phone calls, um, inspections, surveys. You guys can do workshops together. Most important thing is people should be seeing your face, you know, from time to time. Um, when you get the lab um, up and running, it's not just that the lab is up and running. You made your proposal. Uh, they send you a whatever, then they pay money and then people never see your face again. So keep showing up. And then if you're currently showing up, it also helps you to refine um, your uh, offerings uh, based on how their um, their needs um, change. Uh, so back to the maternity example, they want to store um, 150 pints of blood. They can currently store uh, 50. Maybe they outsource it to you because you have space for 150. But if the maternity section expands and now they need to store 300 pints of blood, it would be nice for you to know that ahead of time so you can um, expand the service agreement, get more space, get more refrigerators, get more whatever. Anyway, so you get the idea. Then, um, <clears throat> during the validation stage and after validation stage, of course, from all the things we're talking about so far, I'm sure you get um, Bernadette and whoever is listening who wants to validate um, a similar idea. Um, I'm sure you can see that we're going to have to build relationships. So we should be attending networking events, um, healthcare events, conferences, workshops, uh, you know, stuff like that. That's where you also run into interesting people to um, talk to and talk about your wonderful ideas for opening the diagnostic um, lab. We also be looking for collaboration um, opportunities. Uh, sometimes these opportunities come with um, uh, training or maybe exchanging services, uh, things like that. Um, let's see, what else? What else? What else? Is there anything I've missed out? Okay, um, there's something that I stressed in the last episode I want to stress here um, as well for those of you who are in, want to open these sorts of businesses. Uh, Bernadette, I'm sorry, I don't, I'm not sure which country you're from, but I know that in Nigeria sometimes we don't like to play by all the rules. There are highly ethical considerations that we have to, um, that I um, applied here. Um, I stressed it in the last episode, I'm going to stress that um, as well. Patients' privacy and confidentiality. When you're having these conversations, you can talk about the insights with other people, but if you speak to a hospital admin and the hospital admin is telling you private and confidential stuff about the clinic, you cannot discuss that with your wife, with your husband, with your boyfriend, with your girlfriend, with your investors, with your uh, accountant, with your other stakeholders. No, you can't do that. Patient privacy and confidentiality. And of course, um, transparency. We have to be transparent what our um, intentions are. When you're having... Uh, uh, communications with these people. You need to let them know. The reason why I'm here, I want to start up a medical um, lab. These are the services that I want to offer. I'm just trying to figure out, is this a good idea? Or I'm trying to figure out the problems that you have that we can help you solve when we open up this um, medical lab. So be very transparent about your goals and your intentions. Nobody likes it when people are being sneaky or being um, shady. Let everybody know where you're heading um, at all times. So, um, the key to validating this business idea is just approach all these conversations, whether with individuals or with people within the medical uh, healthcare system. Approach these um, conversations with genuine interest to understand what people need and also keep an eye out for the solutions that you can provide. Then try to build strong relationships uh, so you can tailor the services to meet um, these demands. Now, I hope I've been able to convince you that you can enhance your likelihood of a successful business if you choose to validate the idea beforehand.
the chances of you growing a successful business, I think, go up. And uh, best case scenario, if this is a bad business to get into, from talking to all these people, individuals, and then people working in the healthcare system, you will know for sure that, you know what, on paper it looks like it's a good idea, but because of these issues or those issues, this is a bad idea that we are going, um, a bad idea to start. Now, uh, before I run off, change of plans. I'm going to ignore the other side of the um, equation. Oh, sorry, the other side of the question, because it was a two-part. Number one, how do I validate before I start? And then number two, if I've already started, how do I go about advertising and attracting customers? I'm going to ignore the number two part of that question. Um, because if you've been following last episode and this episode, you can see that some of the things that we've spoken about, especially with approaching here, um, hospital administrators, lab technicians, uh, the practice administrator, the procurement people, you know, it's the same process that you're going to go through if the lab is already open and you're now trying to um, get business from other um, clinics. So you can see that because uh, some of the stuff we have discussed in the last episode and this episode, they apply. If you've already rented the building, you've employed your five staff, you have your fridge, you have your blood bank, you have your reagents, you have your everything. Um, yeah, so this, some of the same processes apply. So I'm going to ignore the second part of the question. Also because I think we've done uh, total, total, I think we've done maybe like an hour and a half on this, uh, on Bernadette's question. So I will move on to the next um, audience question because there's still a bunch of you that I haven't gotten back to. So that's it essentially. That's all folks. So remember, connect with me on WhatsApp or Telegram. The number is 80 the country code is plus 234 for those of you who are hitting me up outside of Nigeria. And also connect with me on LinkedIn. My name is Tabeshima Ayede. I'm also on other socials, but I spend most of my time on LinkedIn these days. You can confirm the spelling of my name and my email address on the website where you're listening to this episode. Also on the profile of the podcast app where you're currently listening to my voice. So thanks for your time and attention. I'll catch you guys at the next episode.